And I believe now we do have Senator Doris Turner on the line with us. Senator, are you there? Happy New Year. This is not a good way to start off. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, too. Well, it, uh, it, it listen, if I had a dime for every time I called a wrong number for something I was supposed to be doing work-related, I'd be a very wealthy man now. Thank you for being here, and I hope you had a wonderful holiday season, and uh, we're getting ready to uh, get back into the into the state house tomorrow. But, boy, uh, the, the COVID numbers are exploding, so what's going to happen uh, down there? And you guys all going to be uh, you know keeping your distance and wrapped in bubble wrap and slathered in Hand sanitizer, how are you protecting yourselves? I know this is just really terrible. I think that we all thought when we were beginning this session that we would be different and, you know, we would be back to the, you know, more normalcy of the of the Senate chambers. But, no, um, you know, people just won't get vaccinated. They won't get boosted. They won't wear their masks. And so now here we are again. So we canceled yesterday, um, canceled today, I'm sorry, and canceled Thursday going in tomorrow but probably going to cancel next week as well and be and be remote so hopefully we can um you know get back at it but the good news is is that we did put in the remote protocols last session so at least we can still continue to conduct business now, uh, let me ask you about uh, doing business remotely, and, and the Senate has actually enshrined this. The House hasn't really, as far as being able to do uh, voting remote for the upcoming session. They've been taking it kind of year year by year. Uh, but, you know, some people have said this isn't a good thing. We need to have the legislature all there in person uh, and so that people can come down to the Capitol, can, you know, find their lawmaker, can see them face-to-face and express their point of view, et cetera. Uh, it certainly seems to me that uh, some of the remote hearings and things we've had have actually increased access. People have had more ability to testify and participate without having to physically be in Springfield. Uh, on the whole, is it better for you to be in person, or has the the uh, age of remote legislating uh, had some benefits to it? You know, I think that it really has had some benefits. I think that we would all rather that we be in person. You know, that's what we're used to. That's the way we're used to conducting businesses. It is something to, you know, look at someone face-to-face and be able to see their body language and all of those kinds of things. But um, it has allowed us to continue to conduct business and things just haven't come to a standstill. And I think you are right. I think that it has um, allowed people a lot more accessibility and maybe a greater sense of of participation than uh, what we've seen in the past. You know, everybody's not able to just drop everything and get in their car and drive to Springfield for a hearing or to, you know, let their voice be heard, or just to watch, um, you know, government at work. So it, it does allow for a lot more participation, and everyone wants to talk about transparency. I think it does also allow for a lot more eyes to be on what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. State Senator Doris Turner is here with us. And not only is it a short week for the legislature, and as you noted, possibly next week off, it is supposed to be a short session where usually the legislative session will stretch to the end of May and the uh, the constitutionally mandated deadline uh, for lawmakers. The plan right now is to adjourn the spring session sometime in mid-April because, of course, it's a weird year this year, an election year, but the primary has been pushed back until June. That would give lawmakers time to uh, go home and uh, start campaigning for their re-election there. Can you get uh, everything done that you need to get done on that kind of shortened schedule? Or are lawmakers really going to just take it pretty slow and try not to rock any boats this spring? No, I I think we will be able to get uh, things done. If you remember, Jim, many, many years ago, 
when you and I were just babies, <laughs> the, uh, the the session end date was June 30th. Oh, yeah. And and then we, you know, dialed it back to May 31st, and, and we seemed to get things done. And so I think that, you know, when you set a deadline, then you um, adjust the other deadlines accordingly. And I think that we will be able to get things done. I know that I have, um, you know, some legislative priorities that I have submitted for consideration, and I'm sure that other uh, lawmakers have as well. So we're going to be very diligent about, um, you know, doing the work. We're not just going to dial it in and, um, you know, try to get home as soon as possible. I want to get back and talk about some of your priorities for the upcoming session, but I, I want to get into an issue uh, that, that dropped yesterday as uh, House and Senate Democrats released proposed maps for judicial subcircuits. This is something that's happened in Cook County for a long time, but it's a new idea here in Sangamon County in the 7th Judicial Circuit, and it would divide the 7th Circuit into essentially three subcircuits, one that's most of the city proper in Springfield, one that's the rest of Sangamon County, and then one that's the outlying counties there. Uh, tell me what you know about this, and, and is this a good idea, and is it a necessary idea? So just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water and redistricting was all done, <laughs> now we have some, now we have sub-circuit maps. I think it is a great idea. I think that um, it will allow for greater opportunities for diversity on the bench. Everyone um, on both sides of the aisle has talked about during this whole remapping um, um, exercise about why we need to have uh, diversity and why we need to have all voices heard and why it's important for everyone to be able to participate. And so I think that, um, you know, this is just another opportunity of stretching that out to where it um, takes in, you know, our judges and, and those that, that um, you know, Sit from, sit from the bench. I think that um, it will give minority communities uh, a better opportunity to elect candidates of their choice and influence elections. And, um, you know, I think it will definitely improve the diversity and the background of the judges that are, you know, sitting and, and um, you know, um, watching over what's happening um, in our in that part of part of of our world, so I think that I think that it's a, I think that it's a good thing, and I think that it gives everybody a voice in electing um, a bench of judges that that they feel best represents their community. It's pretty light on details, though. Do we know is this going to mean uh, an increase in the overall number of judges in the Seventh Circuit? Do we know what it's going to to cost? Do we know how these judges are going to be chosen? Will people just vote within their sub-circuit, or will they be able to vote uh, across the Seventh Circuit like we can now? I, I'm just I, I haven't been able to find out any particular details on this. You know, I think that that all of that is is going to be coming um, very very soon. We will be holding hearings just like we did with the with the maps. So, you know, I think that this will be another opportunity for people to weigh in on uh, how they think that things should go and and have an opportunity for that um, you know particip participatory government that we all that we all seek. So, there will be opportunities for those for those hearings and a lot more detail to be coming out. 
While we're talking judicial reform of a sort, uh, another hot topic over the last year has been police reform. Of course, uh, last week we had a couple of uh, uh, tragic incidents of police officers uh, killed in the line of duty here in Illinois. And some critics of police reform have uh, essentially tried to link those deaths to that legislation, saying that it's uh, created an environment of hostility toward police here in Illinois. I know you have uh, championed some police reforms. Are you expecting that issue to come up again in the spring session? Are there additional tweaks or changes you would like to see uh, in in this arena? You know, first let me say that when you hear people talk about that, um, you know, the police reform that was enacted in, in the last in, in the last session is the reason why all these nasty, terrible, bad things are happening. Most of what we was enacted hasn't even gone into effect yet. So let's just be realistic and, and you know, um, have people to focus on the facts instead of, you know, the hyperbole. So, you know, again, most of what was enacted hasn't even gone into effect yet. So it has had no bearing on, you know, the last few months and what we have seen in our communities. And I will tell you that I really believe that uh, what was enacted will make our communities safer and will go a long way with people feeling that, that they are not only more safe in their communities, but that they have more opportunity to be uh, participants in how their communities are are policed, which I think is which I think is a, is is a great thing, and um, I you know there will probably you know whenever there is a large piece of legislation, there's always opportunities to go back and make and make changes. So you know we'll see what happens, and as these things start being rolled out, we'll see if if it's necessary, and if it's necessary, then we will. But I will tell you that. There were some uh, tweaks that were made at the end of last session, and all of the interested parties were at the table and had a voice in, in what was in what was happening. So it's not like these things are happening in in the dead of night without some opportunity for all of the different areas of law enforcement to weigh in. And you know, when I was on the Springfield City Council, uh, we did a lot of work in with regard to police reform. And we did that in concert with, um, you know, the, the police union and and um, the chief of police and, and the local officers. And, and I think that Springfield is better for it. So what are your legislative priorities for the spring? You know, I think that the number one, number one priority for everybody is, of course, going to be a balanced budget that reflects the priorities of the state and, um, and the 48th. And so the other things that I'm interested in have actually come forward from several roundtable advisory groups that I constituted over the course of the last several months. And, you know, there are some things around school safety. Um, I think that every community throughout the state has had some issue with regard to school safety. So I am looking at some issues around school safety and um, not just with regard to metal detectives and those kinds of things, but also uh, emergency emergency plan development, implementation, and evaluation. Most of the emergency plans that we have right now in our school districts revolve around, um, you know, natural disasters and, and, you know, those kinds of things. Because when, you know, no one ever thought about that we would have these situations with, you know, kids bringing guns and, and other weapons into our school buildings. 
and that, um, you know, teachers and administrators would have to be dealing with those kinds of things. So I am looking at some uh, something around that. I'm also looking at something around um, rural health provider shortage. Um, that's a real that's a real problem uh, throughout um, throughout the state and most especially in downstate. And then um, also infrastructure projects. I know that a lot of communities are looking to use ARPA funds for some. Um, of the larger infrastructure needs that they have, but I think that there is opportunity for the state to work in partnership with those communities to get a lot of things done that we had not been able to do um, to do in the past. You know, there's roads and bridges and, and smaller projects that we really need to get moving um, that um, play a, a huge role in um, the safe, safety of our of our communities and our and our residents as well as um, you know, just recreational pleasure. And all of that is, is really plays into what makes a community healthy. Finally, Senator, uh, talk a little politics. Uh, of course, there were some rumblings that uh, Sangamon County Republicans might uh, name a replacement for Mike Murphy specifically to position her to run against you. They ultimately wound up choosing a different person, uh, but her uh, spot in the 99th district means that she would actually be in uh, Tim Butler's district under the new maps that take effect next year. So now people are thinking maybe she might run against you. How, uh, how big a target is on your back right now? You know, I, I think that any any time you that there is opportunities for elections, that's you know that's what happens. People start talking about who's going to run and and how different candidates are going to line up with each other. But I will tell you, I have had the uh, opportunity to be elected to the Sangamon County Board three times, to the Springfield City Council three times, and in each of those elections, I have never run against anybody. I've always run for the office. And that's the way that I'm looking at um, my opportunity to continue to represent the individuals in the 48th. I think that I went into the Senate in uh, February and had what I consider to be an extremely, extremely successful um, session. I brought a lot of great things back to the 48th. And uh, I think that people appreciate that. They recognize that. And I look forward to doing more of the same um, for many years to come. State Senator Doris Turner, we always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks for the opportunity.